I've been really looking forward to this opportunity to speak to you today about fornication. Just kidding. We're not going to talk about that. To the extent that I understand it, don't do it. Okay. Um, what I really want to talk about is Samuel, because I think this story about Samuel is really interesting. Because what it says is that Samuel, if you remember Samuel, Samuel's mother dedicated him to the service of the Lord and gave him to the priest Eli. And he lives with the priest Eli in the house of the Lord. Now this isn't the temple because it hasn't been built yet, but it's, it's the place where the people come to offer their sacrifices and to worship God. It's, it's like church, right? So Eli lives in the church with, sorry, Samuel lives in the church with Eli, the chief priest. And yet the story tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He lives in the temple, and yet he does not know the Lord. And I think that's really quite astounding. And yet when I thought about it, I decided, you know, it really wasn't that astounding at all because it reminded me of some years ago when I, when I first kind of started being involved in church at that time. I was, you know, only about 30 years old. So, of course, they, they asked if I would be a youth group leader because that's, I don't know, if you're like under 35, automatically you have some sapatico with youth. So I was a youth group leader and, and probably not a very good one, but I was a youth group leader and I was with a group of high school kids. And this was during one of an election time, one of the George Bush elections, I think with John Kerry, 2004. At any rate, I was talking with these kids as a group of teenagers and these were really bright, top-notch kids. I mean, right, these were kids who were all on track to be successful, and, and some of them I still am kind of in touch with all these years later, and they've gone on to be, you know, successful young people. They, they were really a great group of kids, and yet when we talked to them about issues of faith, they really didn't know much more than a seven-year-old, and which was astounding because all of them, this whole group, there's about six of them, all of them had grown up in the church. They had all been baptized as babies. Their parents were dedicated and faithful members who I knew had the love of the Lord and the desire to follow Jesus at the, at the heart of their lives. And yet, yet their kids didn't really seem to have picked up any of it. In fact, one of them, her mother was the, the head of Christian education for the parish. And this was a big parish with like, you know, 600 members. And yet they didn't know the Lord. The word of the Lord was pretty rare in that group. And yet when we would talk to them about politics, you know, because it was an election year, they had very advanced, nuanced understandings of the issues and the candidates. And it occurred to me that that's because those are the things that they talked about at home. That's what their parents were interested in and talked to them about was sort of current events and politics and things that were going on. Now I know, and I knew then, that their parents' politics were deeply affected and shaped by their faith and their desire to follow Jesus and to enact Jesus' commands into the world. And yet for some reason they were not able to communicate that underlying foundation of their engagement with the world, their faith, to their children. And I can tell you, if someone has little kids at home, this is something that I really think about and, and worry about quite a lot. How do we transmit this, this faith that has been so important to me to those that I love, like, like my children? And right, so we hear that Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. And he, 
in the word of the Lord was, was rare in those days. And, and we see that that plays out in our own lives because undoubtedly we all know people who have been really good, steady churchgoers but didn't really quite get the whole uh, Jesus thing in the way that they live their lives, right? So this is not something that happened just a long time ago but something that's happening with us today. And I think the reality is that that people haven't really changed that much in the last 2,000 years, probably in the last 80,000 years, that, that people are fundamentally the same. The context in which we, we live out our lives, of course, is very different. But the, the, the base, you know, motivations of people remains the same. And so I think that one of the ways that we need to challenge this as Christian people today is, is we need to really think about how we engage with the word of the Lord in our lives. I think that, you know, I've talked before that there are sort of five foundational practices of Christian life as I understand it, worship and prayer, service and study and generosity. And I think study is one of those things that we maybe don't pay as much attention to as we should. I know I don't. You know, that all of us should probably have some kind of discipline of a regular, if not daily, engagement with the story of our faith, the, the Bible itself. Now, the Bible, of course, is not uh, an instruction manual, right? It's not like when there's something wrong with your car, you can pull it out and, and look it up and, you know, there's the solution. You know, where do you change the fuse, right? It's not like uh, you have some problem, you pull it out and go, oh, fornication, page 35, right? Here's what I do. It doesn't work that way. But the stories uh, that are captured in the Bible are the stories of God's people's interactions with God's across time. And if, if we haven't changed in two and a half thousand years or whatever, I can assure you that God has not changed either. That the, the fundamental qualities of God are constant from beginning to end, alpha to omega, throughout time and space and history, God remains constant. God is love. God is mercy. God is perfect justice. Those things never change. And though we continually seem to fall short in the same ways, God continues to respond to us and to call to us in the same way that God called to Samuel. Because the truth is that God is calling each of us, every single person in this space, is someone that God desires relationship with, is someone that God loves wholly and completely, and someone for whom God is calling and inviting into a role in the life of God's people. Each of us, like Samuel, are being called. Now, we're probably not being called in such a direct and dramatic fashion, unfortunately, but we are still all called. And I think that when we, we study our scriptures and we understand that the problems that those people face are the same as the problems that we face today, and we see how God responded to them, then we can expect with some confidence that God will respond in the same way to us. And so the value of reading scripture is not so that you learn, you know, the, the book of life, but so that we understand and begin to see how God works in the world. And the value of community, a community of people gathered in faith who are rooted in that scriptural story is that we begin to see how God works among us and how God works in other people's lives. 
right? I can assure you that when I was working in the youth group there a year or two after I was baptized, I, uh, being a priest was not really like on my radar, right? But other people saw something that I could never have seen. And when like the 20th person said to me, hey, John, have you ever thought of being a priest? I said, I guess I really need to think about that. And I think at its best, that's how Christian community works, is that we begin to see the movement of God in the lives of others that, that they may not even be able to see themselves. And that like, like Eli, we can tell them, you need to listen for what the Lord is saying to you and to hear that, and to bring that back and share with the community what it is we think the Lord is calling us into, because it's in our collected wisdom that we can see the movement of God in individuals and in community. And so, But it all has to begin with understanding the way that God works as told in those stories from Scripture. And I know uh, from my experience that... Uh, uh, Episcopalians in the Bible, sometimes that's a difficult relationship. You know, I, there's an old joke that it's amazing how much of the prayer book they put into the Bible, because that's where kind of people focused on that. And I'll tell you, at, at a previous church I was at, uh, someone came in off the streets and asked if they could have a Bible. And you know what? We really had to look pretty hard to find a Bible in the church building. I mean, we had like a lectionary and all that but an actual Bible. And the only Bibles we could find were like some 50-year-old copies of the King James Bible, which you know, we happily gave away. But I think it's sort of a damning indictment of the church that, that, that the Scripture, which is really kind of at the heart of our understanding of who God is, um, is not more prevalent in our lives. I mean, our worship is suffused with it, and I hope that your lives are, are immersed in it. But I think it's something that we really need to pay attention to. It's something that we really need to, to focus on um, because it's in knowing those stories that we begin to understand how to react to the troubles around us and to know that where, where God has called his people in every generation to respond to the troubles of the world. Because all of us are called, all of us. We all have a role to play. We all have some important mission that God has created us for from the beginning of time before we were even thought of. God has called us into this place and this community and this role within that community of God's people. And that by coming together, being rooted in our understanding of the story of God as shared in Scripture and in the sacraments, then we can help one another to become the people God created us to be. Amen.